Hey everybody, and you're listening to the Warrior Monk Podcast. On this episode, I am very happy to say that I've got one of the funniest personalities that I've ever come across with the weird place that we call social media, and that's Ambrosia Terrebone. If you're not sure who he is, he's a gun buddy, he is a military Navy veteran, he's also a, a fellow law enforcement officer. And uh, he has a character that he's developed uh, to personify all the weird quirks and life happenings that happens amongst people in the Second Amendment community, the military veteran law enforcement community, uh, and all just the weird stuff that happens uh, where he works and lives in the crazy town of New Orleans. I'll take you guys right into the conversation, but before we do... I just want to say thanks again for listening to the Warrior Monk podcast. Thanks for supporting me as your host, Lance. And if you guys haven't done so already, please go and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or on Audible. You can leave a review there as well. And uh, give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. Feel free, to, as always, to leave me a personal message. Uh, if you're interested in being on the podcast, you like or don't like the podcast, you've got feedback. Uh, I thrive on feedback. I love it. So please do that for me. It helps support the podcast and helps me out a lot and gives me motivation to keep doing this thing. All right, guys, without further ado, here's your boy, A.T. Ambrose Terrebone. Podcast snaps, y'all. Hi, everyone. Thank you once again for joining me on the Warrior Monk podcast. And uh, this episode, I'm I'm pretty excited because I've got... uh, a Instagram social media personality, uh, humor specialist, fellow uh, military veteran. Uh, I've got Ambrosian Terrebone here on the Warrior Monk podcast. So AT, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Hey man, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know you're a, a Navy veteran, right? Yeah. Uh, I started off in the submarine force mm-hmm. and I joined 2000 and 2000 and uh very beginning of it uh actually the 99 and 2000 and uh got into the submarine force as part of the submarine force um there was a collateral duty of diving so i picked that up and i later on because of you know just being exposed to that and there's always divers coming to do work on your boat um i just learned what hard hat diving was so when i got out i became a hard hat diver that just so happened to work for a company that was a um contractor for the navy so it's kind of like i kind of like went out the main gate and turned around and (laughs) came back in on the contractor gate yeah a lot of us do that yeah (laughs) Cool. So you weren't actually a, a diver in the, the Navy, but that be, kind of became your main gig. So is, is that kind of what you, you've been doing since you left uh, active status within the Navy? Well, I actually about 2015 or so. So I got out in 2005. And so it was a 2000, uh, 2016 or I transitioned away from diving uh just because um it was becoming a lot of people go like man you guys make a lot of money and the potential for making a lot of money is there so uh 
I went to a commercial dive school. I was working for the company that I ended up working for. And they also had a contract with NAVC, which stands for Naval Sea Systems Command. So a lot of guys, if they're in the tactical stuff, uh, they know NAVC is the guys who make like the SOP mod. Uh, mm-hmm. But that like crane up there, yep. but that's really just a small portion of what NAVC does. And so um, we were doing, the, the company I work for had the underwater burning and welding contract for the Navy. We also for a time had submarine rescue. We had a bunch of things like that. And coming from my submarine background where um, there was a lot of stuff called lockout, tag out, uh, a lot of um, work authorization forms. A lot of, lot, it, a submarine is very uh, maintenance intensive because uh, not only are you are an operator of your particular systems, you are also the maintenance person for those particular systems. Right. And all your stuff is just kind of everywhere. So kind of switching over to the ship repair side, uh, the actual physically doing the ship repair and plus the clerical side of it, as far as um, uh, learning how to tag out systems and deal with hydraulics and like uh, anything electrical where you don't get anybody killed. Um, it, it kind of flowed right into that. And so also what they also had was we did the traditional, what people would consider hard hat diving um, out in the Gulf of Mexico. So a lot of people, uh, they only really think of it ever as underwater welding when that's in all, in all honesty, underwater welding is such a small facet anymore of what hard hat commercial diving is. Uh, it's really just underwater construction work. Right. And most of the welding, they engineer out of it if they possibly can. So, sure. uh, so it's you hard, had and to, it's hard work, right? Like, I mean, being a construction, it, it's worker, physically, it's physically very hard. Yeah. Um, because water is six times denser than air. So just moving your arm across your face is six times harder than just doing it normally. I mean, sure. you don't normally notice it, but it is. And then, um, and then, you know, you're dealing with decompression and a lot of stuff are decompression. Uh, you plan to come up and over in the chamber, not because you were hurt. I mean, right. it's called the, the, the table's called surface decompression on oxygen. So it's, it's part of it. And even when you get out uh, into the area, you have to complete an apprenticeship called being a tender. Um, which I think my personal opinion, I'm biased, is the hardest job in the Gulf of Mexico is being a dive tender. Uh, if you're a regular tender, then you become a dive tender. Uh, then you become a lead tender. And lead tender is like right when you're at the cusp there, when you're starting to get a lot more dives. And um, then you uh, complete your apprenticeship, uh, which is called being a breakout. Although you're still kind of... Um, you're still kind of on the bubble. Like you're still, uh, it's a uh, probationary phase. And then you become a diver three, diver two, diver one, you know, uh, supervisor and whatnot. Right. And then sometimes, you know, you know, I had my air supervisor card because there, there's like a couple different uh, certifying agencies. I went, I was like through the Association of Commercial, I was through the ADC. I, Association of Commercial Divers International, which is who gives most of the certificates out. Um, 
in America. And then uh, what is it? It's the uh, Dent Norse Veritas DMV, which is for overseas. And you'll see DMV rating on like they just they're kind of like an OSHA for overseas North Sea stuff. So you'll see them on a bunch of stuff. So a lot of equipment you'll see like ADCI, uh, IMCA, and um, and DMV rated on a lot of stuff. So I did that up until about the middle of 2016. And I was just, uh, I got burned out with it. I was burned out with it. I was, um, you know, you'll go out and basically be on a ship that you're using as your mothership to dive off of. And then you turn around and, and you're on some small, like cheapest thing of, availability and you're on some inspection job just you're always constantly behind and you're just eating shitty food all the time sure might as well still and, be in the navy at that point right right and it's <laughs> and it's feast or famine now now i've had days where i could buy anything that i wanted except for a day off and right. then there's the times where yeah you go in two weeks you can make fourteen thousand to 20 grand in two weeks mm-hmm. but you know based on the particular job and that would be an extreme i'm going to say right be an extreme uh but uh, that those would usually be deeper jobs and you'd really have to be getting it uh and you'd have to be putting in a lot of hours but then if you didn't work for two months prior to that and there's no job on the books two months after that right then you're sitting there and now you have to you know you really have to work that out so um i eventually i got a sure job and i didn't like it i was still trying to figure out what I was doing. And that's when Ambrosia Terrebonne came about because I, um, you know, I joined the Navy. You, you didn't have to apply online to join the Navy. And then when I became a diver, uh, that was another thing. I did not have to apply online to become a diver. And then all of a sudden uh, I'm in a world where I had all these skills that don't necessarily translate into like we, like I was a rigger. I was, you know, you're basically a rigger, you're a deckhand, uh, mm-hmm. you're a fitter, you're, uh, you can burn uh, either topside or underwater. You can do all these different things, yeah. which is uh, crane. You know, we were crane operators a lot. You know, if you're most of the time at some point, if you're uh, a broke out diver, like you get through some sort of hydraulic pedestal crane training, um, which doesn't necessarily translate to the stuff shore, you know, land-based wise. Um, but all of those single tasks are somebody's full-time job somewhere else. And they also don't, you know, you're not going to get the same amount of money. Sure. And and you got to start over again. And um, I just, I I happened to be in a red dot class and I ran into a guy uh, who was a police officer. And I, you know, I I jokingly said, Hey, uh, you know, are you guys hiring? And he said, we're aggressively hiring. And uh, at the time I was about 37, 36, 37. And I thought about it. And then the more I thought about it was like, well, I don't really like what I'm doing right now. I'm in an in-between job, which is solely sucking my soul out. (laughs) And um, I knew that if I did not take the challenge, I would regret it my entire life. Sure. Like if at least, you know, go take the challenge, see if you can do it. 
um, you know, go to the academy, uh, go out, you know, FTO, do all your stuff. And um, so now the money isn't the same, no. but my money is a lot steadier. Right. My benefits are a lot better. Uh, my retirement currently is not 401k based. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, I know when my pay raises are going to be for the most part. I mean, there's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like guys uh, with the military. Like I don't, they see so you, you were in before they changed the retirement, right? Like they've, you still have your, like your thrift savings plan and you have, you're on the older retirement system, yeah, right? Before they, I was, I mean, they had the start of the blended thing, but I didn't opt in for it, but yeah, that's, right. they've been changing it recently and they're probably going to change it again because they're just, they're trying to, the government's going to try to figure out how the hell are we going to pay for it? So. Right. And so it, it was kind of like that. Like, I feel like I was going from the blended to now the, the old school deal where it's, right. you know, my brother works for the post office and they, they did a blended, uh, two-tier system a long time ago right so he's on the like second tier of guys yeah uh so it's like he's got a 401k but he's also got thrift savings plan it's it's, it's weird don't put all your uh, eggs in one basket yeah so uh which actually he switched all of his to bonds because he was like i'm making my he says i he's i'm breaking my ass every day going into work yeah. uh working at this plant and uh at like amazon worker conditions and he goes and then i look at what my retirement was doing is it would make me sick. So he actually switched all that to bonds recently. Yeah, man. Well, dude, first of all, thanks. Thanks for your service uh, to our country. Uh, I, I think the hard hat diving thing is totally cool. I'm, I'm coming from, from a background of being a recreational paddy diver in, in Florida right. and uh, you know, a completely different world, completely different subculture too. But I know it's super hard work, but a lot of respect to you for, for doing it. Cause I know that that shit is intensive. Uh, and uh yeah, uh, I didn't know you were working in, in law enforcement too. So good on you for doing right. that, man. Because it's not—it's a thankless, hard job. And I, I don't know—I I may or may not end up going that route here, depending on what what goes on with my future. But uh, we shall see. But yeah, it's—it's it's, especially right now in the world, it's a—it's a thankless job too. There's a lot yeah, of uh, I, politics I just, behind it too. <laughs> I just always do weird. I've just—I swear I wasn't doing this on purpose. I just ended up doing weird jobs. Like when I yeah. got out. Uh, diving was a challenge and it was a goal. And, you know, you recently got off active. Yeah. In January. Right. So you're a little out of your mind when you get, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even, I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, I'm not saying you are, let's just say, I'll put it back on me, my own experience. Uh, you, you do like almost six years in the Navy and you get out and you're 24 years old yeah you know, right. you're 25 and your you, brain just stopped developing right. you just and, now and actually you, became an adult <laughs> and you've already been around the world yeah <laughs> you know and and uh you're gonna be it's you're just you're just working on a different gear than everybody else and um diving offered a challenge and then um Luckily, the place that I worked for, we had a contract where we were government contractors, mm -hmm. and uh, I I went overseas a lot for them in support of that. And then uh, even on the commercial side, uh, I ended up going to uh, West Africa a lot, a lot towards the end. Then they're done that, and, and um, then then with the 
police, you know, it, it offers a challenge again, uh, but it's actually more, uh, I still felt like I was being of service as a diver, uh, but I definitely, um, definitely feel like I'm being of service, you know, in, as police, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. So, I, and I have to ask now, like kind of transition there, you, you're living in New Orleans, you're from New Orleans originally too? No. Oh, okay. So you just, you've, you've adapted to the culture there and your, your moniker you go by as Ambrosia Terrebone. So can you, can you tell me where that originate from that from, where did that come from? Um, well, I was offshore with a buddy of mine named Jason Jones and we were on one of those jobs where, I mean, it was like the job that never ends and we were working like 24 hours a day for three or four days straight. I mean, it was just, you know, you're, you're catching downtime when you could. Um, and it's technically probably illegal that we were working that way, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and honestly, looking back, there was no great reason for us to have been working that way, uh, except out of, you know, we were basically being exploited by some supervisors. Um, but just joking around. Uh, so there was a, uh, I had to live, I lived in a small town in Southern Louisiana called Morgan City. If anybody's ever worked offshore, they've heard of Morgan City. And next to it is Terrebonne Parish, mm. where a town called Homa is. And um, next to Morgan City is another small town by the name of Amelia. And there was a gentleman's club, which I use loosely by the name of Ambrosia's. And Ambrosia's was a former nail and hair salon. And it had like one of those old 80s um, signs yeah. where it's like the white background and the ladies kind of drawn on there. I can't remember mm -hmm. the name of the artist that all those signs like ripped off. But right. it's like, you know, it's like you can, it's, it's like it's all one color, but the ladies lips are, you know, whatever. And it was called Ambrosia's when it was a hair and nail salon. And they just scraped off the part that said hair and nail. Right. Easy transition. And so I just added them both together where I was like Ambrosia Terrebone. And I just started screwing off. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's just like one of those, like when you've been working so long and you're so tired, that you're at the at the edge of hallucination. <laughs> yep. And and you come up with something and then we just started riffing. And I, and I think we riffed for like the next two or three days like that. That's awesome. And and for he and I, I mean it's literally been a running joke for about 12 years. That's awesome. And and one of the things I wanted to talk about too is like the sense of humor that us as military vets get is and anybody that works in kind of like an industry where you just you, like you said you just you work ridiculous hours uh, you work doesn't matter day shift night shift uh yeah you get to the point of you're like hallucinating and you just the weird comes out uh you also right. have, you also deal with a lot of dark stuff between you know people dying in the workplace you know hazards of all kind where you just kind of like basically laugh out the, the fact that you're potentially going to die today um so we get this really depraved kind of sense of humor um, so wh where do you get your sense of humor from? And, and I wanted to ask you too, like, you know, how important do you think that is for kind of the, the communities of people that work in, you know, a profession of arms, but always just hazardous conditions? Uh, I would say it is, 
it should be on the job interview. Yeah. Like it, it, I think having a sense of humor um, is necessary. Uh, now, it, now I've known some dudes that people don't think have a sense of humor, but they actually have the driest sense of humor. I knew this, I worked with this guy from the Czech Republic and uh, where it was, in fact, like this dude, it was Czechoslovakia when he was born and it became the Czech Republic. Um, and there was a, an English, there was a language barrier for a bit of time. Yeah. But once I got the, the Pavel ear where I could hear, really hear him, he had the driest sense of humor <laughs> of anyone that I've ever known. And he would murder me. He was, he would, I would laugh. He would do something, he would say something, and I would laugh for like two days straight over what he said. And people were like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, <laughs> you, you got to hang out with this dude because yeah, this yeah. is the funniest dude. And, 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 and speaking of dark humor, like this dude was from uh, Eastern Europe. Right. So like their, their pedestrian humor is dark humor sure. here. And, and then when he wanted to get, I mean, I was, he, he would murder me. And so I, I think it's necessary to have dark humor um, without, you know, being too fatalistic. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a way to process what you have going on. And, yeah. and it, it's a, it's a healthy, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like a white blood cell for your mental health. Yeah. Like you, you gotta have it. Cause if, if you, if you just really, cause you're going to, you are going to internalize all that shit. Right. You are, yeah. you are. And, uh, admitting that you're going to do it is a big part of it. And, and the knowledge that you're going to do it and, and recognizing what that is. Um, and then using humor to, to help, you know, to help you process it. Definitely. I, I would say it's almost, I would say it's, it's, it's incredibly necessary. Uh, not even like nice to have, I would say it's necessary. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things. And like I said, other people just don't get it, but you know, if you're in the community, you, 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 <laughs> you just, you know, you go home and talk to your family or whatever and tell certain jokes at the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever. And they look at you like, what the hell's wrong with you? And you're like, what? What? I, almost, I got to censor myself. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah, really know like, your yeah. audience kind of thing. But um, I, like I told you before we got started with the, with the podcast, your, your moniker of Ambrosia Terrebone, just, you know, just the commentary given on the, the tactical community and all the, the gun buddies out there or, you know, what it's like Which, on the streets of, of New Orleans which I consider myself like, you know, like I, I'm, I don't think I'm good looking enough to be a gun bunny. So I always said I was a gun buddy. Yeah. So it's, and there's plenty of us out there, right? How many, how many dudes have got themselves uh, stoked out on Instagram with the, you know, pick your XYZ brand rifle. And it, you know what? The, the economy has got to keep moving. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And that, and that brings me to the, the, the Terry's out there. Like, I know, you know, AT talks about his boy, Terry, and I, I feel like that's kind of a, 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 a euphemism for all of us out there that you run across or talk to. It is. Uh, yeah. So, so Terry, there are definitely, there, there's a core group of Terry's. Let's yeah. just say there's, there are tier one Terry's. Okay. Uh, there, there are tip, there, there are tips with the Terry spear. Um, 
You gotta earn and, that patch though. Right. <laughs> and uh uh they're out there and you know, like I said, they very close folks. So basically, like I started doing I would reference Terry because it's like, you know, they're you know, I run into a lot of people of different backgrounds and different uh, they've got different points of reference and I come into contact with them and if I am going to um, sometimes it's not cool to say so-and-so from this place told me this. Right, for sure. So I was talking to Tara. That works. Right. And, um, And then also not everybody in AT's life has bought tickets for the Ambrosia Terrebonne train. So, uh, out of respect for them and their personal life and, uh, their anonymity, uh, therefore there is Terry. So I'm me, I'm actually the only person that cannot be Terry. Everyone else in the world could be Terry. I'm the only one that can't be Terry. Like people will, uh, kind of at me or they'll say, Hey, Terry, what's up? And I'm like, I'm not Terry. I'm the only one who actually can't be. Uh, and, um, so what I explain to people is, if you truly have Terry in your heart, then you are Terry. That works. Yeah. And, and the Terry squad continues to grow. And the Terry squad continues to grow and the Terry squad interacts with each other and more importantly, helps each other. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's, that's the main thing. And, and to tell you the truth, like I, I don't, I don't think I came up with the name Terry squad. I think a member of the Terry squad said Terry squad. Other guys keyed in on it. I, I just, cre- I just hashtag Terry squad. Right. And that was a completely organic thing. Like I like the Terry squad. It's like, um, it's like the comment section in grand thumb videos. It's like, that's <laughs> its own thing. That is, and, and we could go on for hours about that. And I've talked, right. I've talked to Mike and he just like, he just, the trolling just goes on for years. Right. Which is, Hopefully the Terry Squad doesn't go in that direction, uh, but the uh, Terry Squad is is completely autonomous. Like I am not the leader of the Terry Squad because yeah. I'm not Terry. That's great. I mean, it's and that's what like I you know the, there's a lot of dark stuff about social media and you know cyberbullying and p- people getting unrealistic expectations of what they should have in their life. But every right. once in a while, you get this gem of something like that that like you said grows organically and like this little community of people sparks up that keep each other laughing or support each other, whatever, whatever. And, you know, it's, that's, that's one of the things I think the veteran community has done very well is like we've taken to social media and used it a lot to support each other, which is really awesome. It definitely, which has been like, like I said, like I just started doing Ambrosia Terrebonne is like for my own mental health outlet. Yeah. Like my, my own, uh, I mean, in all honesty, it's like, you know how they had all those, uh, those contests that were like tag three people. Mm-hmm. Well, like I just created Ambrosia Terrebonne so I could literally tag him in contests <laughs> and not annoy someone. <laughs> that's so, awesome. I love that. And, and then that's, and it just took off. And, it, and like a lot of times people are like, you know, what's yeah. your plan? Yeah. It's like this, does this look like it was a plan? It all, it all just started oh. trying to win some free G code holster or something. Right. You know, you know, I was just trying to, I was just trying to get a flashlight out there, dude. Oh, that's awesome, man. 
so that's a great transition point too, because uh, you know when I was active on in my unit, I was the I was the resident gear queer. And for anybody who who doesn't know what that is, who's listening, who might not be of the military community, that's not supposed to be an offensive term. It's just what you call the guy right. at, at your shop who's into all the stuff. He knows all the flashlights. He knows all the uh, rifle slings. He you know he's he just he loves this stuff and gets off. And and I I, I get the impression right. that you're into it too, because you're constantly you know, putting different flashlights around on your, on your rifle or, you know, modifying your gear to make it work better for, you and all that kind of stuff. So I got, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And one, the first one that really caught me originally when I started following you was starting to do twin beaming. And we had this, uh, this saying in the military, right? Like the two, two is one and one is none type thing. So is that where you kind of started with the whole thing of throwing two lights on your rifle or was it just like, no, just need more lumens? It, 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 It was, it was, it was a quest for uh, I felt that I was in, I was lumen deficient and uh, and also candela is important right yes um, I, I felt I was lumen deficient and you know my my whole thing you know and I went back and forth on guys like this with guys on this a lot but I was like you're uh, I don't know why it is I said but I have two lights on in this room when I turn one off I mean like yeah lumens aren't cumulative <laughs> neither is candela I get it uh, but at the time I was like, so if I have two bright ass, super bright ass lights, uh, cause the point now, like the, these lights are so bright that, you know, they become, you know, you point them at someone, they can be debilitating to them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's part of it is, uh, you know, you are denying them use of their eyes because you're kind of screwing them up with this bright ass light. I mean, we can yeah. go on with, they'll shoot at the light, you know, and all this, all this shit. Well, if you're a CQB uh, is, too, it'll mess up the shooter, right? If you're right, washed out in walls in a white house, it's like you mess up your own night vision. Right. And that's, you know, when you learn techniques to like, I don't know, you can umbrella or maybe don't stare at that spot. You know, it's kind of like right. you don't stare at the sun, right? I mean, there's there's certain <laughs> techniques that other far more capable, far more uh, like trainers, you know, Aaron Cowan, you know, has gone off on this and he's even had a video about this. of just like, dude, come on. We can't, can we put this to bed? Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll blind yourself with the wall. It's like, so don't stare at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, these are some training points. Uh, but basically I was just like, I wanted the horsepower and the torque. And I, and I just felt like if, if one can put a hurting on somebody, if I use two of them, I can really put a hurting on somebody uh, and get rid of some of the umbrella. Um, and then, other things kind of came out of it you know when uh going through a structure that's fairly large um using one for a while and then using the other right and it just i I was just experimenting but i mean it kind of came out to where i was like look your your car has two fucking headlights right yeah there you go and when one of your headlights is out in your car you tend to notice yeah right and that because that otherwise you just drive around like a motorcycle and, and, uh, you know, I, my current duty rifle has, you know, uh, a very bright light on it. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really require uh twin beaming and also twin beaming. Part of the problem was like switchology because right. I, I wanted two lights to lead into one switch. I wanted to hit one switch where only one of them would come on and then another switch where both of them would come on. 
if that makes sense. Right. And so to get the one where I could get one switch to hit once and both came on uh, was that was the challenge. And then, you know, you get into other uh, down into the electronics, especially now since the uh, Unity Tactical, who's based out of Louisiana, uh, they had their uh, old school tap switch and their newest version of the tap switch. And they actually, they actually had their new version of the switch coming out. Uh, they kind of gave me a little bit of a heads up. I asked them, they saw what I was trying to do. I asked them what I was trying to do uh, because most of theirs is like uh, one lead for the laser, one lead for the light. Right. And I asked them if I could get two surefire light leads and they, uh, they actually worked with me on it. They were, they were pretty cool about it. And as far as I know, I was like the one of two or three guys that had one. I was definitely the first guy that had one. And, um, but as the lights get more powerful, you know, with like the surefire dual fuel, uh, the mod lights, just the, the switches as they are right now, uh, where you get a switch that can do both for you, that you can hit one switch and both of them turn on. Uh, they cannot keep up at this moment. Hmm. So for the older lights that weren't as powerful, it worked. For the new lights that are more powerful, which kind of, you know, uh, kind of like a, it's kind of like an arms race between all the light manufacturers right now, right. which is great for us. So that has kind of negated my my reason for twin beaming. Um, because for me, my definition of twin beaming was I, I hit one light, both of them come on. Mm -hmm. Um, my experimentation with it, I think I, I had, uh, I was running a light that had kind of more of a flood pattern. So if I was just kind of doing like just a search pattern, I would use that. And then if I was really knew I was going to snap up and, uh, kind of draw down on somebody uh i would just switch to the other one right which was the more traditional uh scout light uh weapon light you know hot center pattern mm -hmm. and just you know just practice and, and knowing your switchology um but and then you kind of had a two is one one is none situation where you know like i said you get into a structure and you're trying to clear a structure and it's dark uh you're you're going to run through a lot of light and you're right. going to, you're going to eat the batteries up and you, you know, uh, especially with guys back in the day when they had their, uh, weapon lights with their whopping 60 lumens. Right. Um, running you know, off a non-lithium iron battery. Right. You know, they, they were practicing that quick, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, loading it up like a shotgun <laughs> you know, with your, with your CR one, two threes. And in that situation, having two lights where you can kind of, run one for a while and then switch to the other one. Um, so I'm not sure quite how viable it is anymore. And people will argue uh, if it ever was viable, but that's, that's what that was. Yeah, for was sure. The twin well, I was, uh, I was talking about it with somebody today, actually. And they asked me like, well, what about Maglite? Whatever happened to them? Like they dropped the ball. where did they go? They're, they gone. They, they went, they did not adapt. Wait, not the way the dinosaur, man. Yeah. Surefire gobbled up all their business. Um, speaking of getting gobbled up and stuff, this past year, man, it's been a crazy year. 
um, uh, you know, some stuff we saw going on in DC and all that. And I don't, I try not to make this podcast political and stuff, right. man, but the Bulu, Bulu boys are out there, man. What's, what do you think's coming next? Are we, you know, is this just the beginning? What would, what would AT say like to, to, you know, all the Bulu boys out there? Well, not, not that, okay. Uh, not that I'm endorsing or agreeing with anything, but remember like the, the, they kept talking about the Boogaloo. Yeah. And I was like, Booga don't. <laughs> and then, uh, and then a couple guys tried Boogaloo and, and they got Booga did. Yeah. And uh, like that one dude in Texas who, who went up against the courthouse, uh, you know, I don't want to be, if, if you look at where that dude got hit up, they were two A zone hits. Right. Right in his sternum. Um, I think somebody put, like transpose the target over him so whoever responded to that dude uh with his wish.com uh rifle and his etsy gear um that dude was training uh not the mentally ill man that decided to uh bang it out at a federal courthouse right um that being said antifa who supposedly doesn't exist blm uh, or people who are sympathetic to the cause or say that, you know, uh, everything that we watched throughout the country, um, particularly in Portland, uh, Seattle, the Chaz, the Chop, those, those people, they went out and boogalooed. Yeah. Let's be honest. They boogalooed hardsies <laughs> and they, that's what it looked like. Right. And all these guys that said they were going to boogaloo, boogaloo didn't. Yeah, they were sitting on the couch watching, watching the you know, their NVG zone. You know, and that's and that's another one. You know, some guys are going to say, "Oh, well, these dudes showed up here, and these dudes, yeah, they did, they did." Um, but for the most part, you know, all the guys that we thought were going to be out there running in the streets with their Hawaiian shirts and shit, yeah, uh, weren't for the most part. The guys that you know, it was the. Uh, you know, some dude named Galahad that was is a vegan, and you know, uh, his his philosophy aligns with the Black Bloc. Yeah, yeah, it's Black Bloc communists, not Black Bloc African Americans. Yeah, yeah. right, you know, right. just pick whatever, pick whichever one that you want. Sure. And, it, and those folks that you saw on TV, they boogaloo. Yeah. And the Booga Boys did not. Yeah. So it's we're living in interesting times, man. I, 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 I had a conversation with another air force guy, in another podcast recently, and he's, you know, this, this, this topic came up a little bit and he was just like, man, just, if you're, if you're watching the news, um, start getting your, your source of what's going on in the world from somewhere else, because, you know, this, uh, narrow-minded single channel, uh, controlled media is, is only given, it's giving a narrative and it's only given a piece of the story. And I'll, you know, always put it out there. We're, we're getting influenced by other countries that would much rather watch us eat ourselves from the inside than go to war with us because it's easier to, to make that happen, honestly, anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's being done as per the manual. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's going on pretty textbook. It's, it's as per the manual and, and people, I don't think that makes me a conspiracy theorist. I mean, no. it's like this stuff is written down on how would one do this? Oh, let me see. And it's, it was written down and it's, it's going, you know, it's going as per 
you know, in accordance with the procedure. Right. Let's just say that. Accurate. Yeah, man. Um, so who's uh, someone I like to ask everybody on the podcast, like who's in influencing you or who are you following right now? And, you know, that doesn't have to necessarily be a gun bunny or a gun buddy, uh, but like that could be someone you're reading or, you know, mentor of yours. Uh, but, you know, who's who's shaping you in your life? Well, I mean, I think I, I was as far as um, heavily influenced by primary and secondary, which um, is a forum, is a group of dudes. Uh, they have their own uh, YouTube channel. A lot of those guys are my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those cats were like on Light Fighter, which was another group uh, prior to that. Um, and so a lot of the guys that are involved with that or they go to uh, deal with, um, is kind of like a, a centralized group for me. Um, I'm obviously um, the gentleman from Bruiser Industries. You know, I follow them. Um, Chuck Pressburg from Press Check Consulting. Uh, Scott Jedlinski from Modern Samurai Project. Um, yeah, Jim Dexter from Tactically Sound. Uh, Aaron Cowan. Uh, it's, it's almost like it, there's going to be people that I'm going to forget and I'm going to feel bad about, but that's also what a, how fortunate we are yeah. at this current period that we have so many people that are, are folks that you can trust for reliable information and that are, are trying to innovate and really push things forward and are trying to be stuck in any one way you know they're trying to evolve they're trying to get the information out to folks and um you know one of one of the benefits of living in this country is that there's just so many there's so many good people to go to um and i don't think you know with the amount of gun owners the new gun owners the amount of armed professionals the amount of uh responsibly uh armed civilians it's 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 a huge marketplace yeah you know i think unfortunately like when you see probably you know when, when folks want to say the industry um it's uh i don't know i, th I think a high tide right uh raises all ships i've always i've always been on that philosophy and i don't think that there's i don't think that it is good to look at it from a point of scarcity. I don't think a scarcity mentality is a good way to look at it. Um, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about three or four more guys that I can mention right now. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. It sounds like you've got a good community of people that you're working in with and around. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got some experience on you. Uh, and you, it's one thing that, like, I think a lot of guys get complacent in that, like, they've, you know, they don't think they can go somewhere else and learn something new or a new, a new skill set when it comes to what you do. But man, it's, it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with individuals that are high caliber and, and you pushing them and then pushing you to, you know, be making yourself better. Right. You know, and there's definitely got guys at work, you know, like you just kind of gravitate towards those personalities and, and you just, you're constantly just 
you know, if, if you're enjoying what you're doing, you're going to do that. For sure. Yeah. That's an important piece of it. So with Ambrosia Terrebone, man, what's, what is next? Uh, you, you said you hinted before we get started on the recording here that, you know, you're not sure what the next thing is coming, but like, dude, I want, I want an AT Netflix special. I want st- like, dude, I should be doing stand up. I could totally see you rocking it. I don't know if you've I've, done it, you know, but I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Definitely. Um, be it in character or not, yeah. uh, just because I see things, I don't know. I, 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 and I've heard that before. And then I'm like, wow, you know, where's a comedy? Yeah. It's, it's nothing that I've had a, uh, a thirst for, you know, because those guys like, that's like, again, you got to get back out there. You got to be on the grind. Yeah, it's true. You know, uh, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are probably comedians. And the number one thing that they say is, man, you got to be out there. You got to be out there doing it and you got to go, you know, you something that you'll maybe hear somebody from some, uh, the same, it's, it's strange. It's like the the same things that you'll hear somebody from like the special operations community say, well, they'll say, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. And you'll hear these guys say the exact same thing. They're like, we got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like I, I got to get out of my comfort zone to push it, to evolve, to keep going. And, uh, you know, you, and you add that whole public speaking thing where, you know, you can go in there and just like bomb, bomb. <laughs> and they just got to sit there and just like eat that bomb energy and somehow, yeah. get i mean i mean i mean some of that just sounds absolutely soul crushing oh yeah so i don't think that's for the week at all no um, no man but you sound like the kind of dude that could handle it because i mean you've 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 been there and you've taken on new challenges be like you know what i'm gonna give this a shot i mean i'm not telling you what to do man but i think if anybody out there would would be able to 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 be successful and make people laugh their asses off i think you could do it well i appreciate that man i mean it's definitely um yeah, I, I, and, and all of it, I mean, it honestly would just be coming from my own perspective, yeah. you know, just like, Hey, you don't think this is weird. I think this is weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to keep it weird, man. That's one of the, the essentials. Definitely. People, people like weird. They, they're drawn to it, <laughs> especially, especially right now. Right. There's a lot of weird going around. There's a, there's a lot of like, where it's like, uh, I made the joke the other day. I said, sh- sh- stuff that I used to jokingly talk about is now reality. For sure. Yeah. And, the, and there's folks yeah. where I'm like, idiocracy. Idiocracy. I mean, it's becoming not even idiocracy. Reality. It's like, I feel like I'm like candid camera <laughs> half the time. Yeah. I'm thinking they're, they're good. I think I'm on, I mean, it's like, we're all on an episode of punk and I'm yeah, waiting for Aston Kutcher Ashton, to come yeah. out of the side <laughs> where I'm like, bro, like, is this for real right now? Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, if I, you know, you're sitting there going like, no, we can push this further <laughs> and, and I'm going to make this cartoon of a person. And then this cartoon of a person appears, but they are dead ass serious. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. I mean, like you, like these people are real. Yeah. You know, I mean, take your pick, yeah, take sure. your pick, yeah. you know, like what, what, just think about the most obscure or random or inappropriate thing that somebody's going to try and champion and raise awareness for. Yeah. You know, and it's out there right. or, or soon you know. will be. 
right? You know, they're going to show up and they're going to they're going to be one hundred percent about it. Yeah. Oh man. Well, see, I want to thank you again for for just putting out such great stuff on the internet and and keeping things lighthearted uh, here on the Warrior Monk podcast. And before I let you go, is there any uh, any parting words you've got for members of the Terry Squad out there? Anybody who's trying to avoid getting killed in the streets? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, getting killed in the streets is my least favorite thing. So I hear, and I do not want that for any of y'all. Um, man, like I said, just just keep this. Look, it, it, if you are to just watch the news and stay in a loop right now, yes, keep yourself informed, but it is a negative feedback loop, and there is a. I mean, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna bring you down if you stay on it. Yeah, I'm going to go with things aren't that bad and things are only going to be as bad in your personal life as you're going to let them be. Uh, so keep your head up. Uh, it's a pendulum. It's going to swing. You know, I hope it, you know, I, and, and for me, it's like, I just want it to swing back to somewhere in the middle. I don't right. ever want it to be too far one way or too far the other way. The same um, way. I, don't, I don't like either. Um, so, you know, don't stop being a neighbor. Don't stop, you know, have your own, have your own uh, moral compass and stick to it. And, you know, don't be a dick, man, be a dude. And don't, don't stop being a dude because right now the dicks are winning. <laughs> Amazing. That's perfect parting advice. Uh, and very appropriate for the Warrior Monk podcast where the whole premise of the show is, you know, grow through balance, you know, pendulum's going to come back, hopefully in the middle and uh, don't be a dick because the dicks are winning. Agreed. Dicks are winning. Be a dude. Don't be a dick. Be a dude, bro. Uh, awesome, AT. Thanks again for joining me, man. I'm going to end it there and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And uh, hopefully we'll be staying in touch here in the future. Hell yeah, man. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Ambrosia Terrebonne for joining me on the Warrior Monk podcast. If you guys aren't familiar with AT, go check him out. He's on Instagram as Ambrosia underscore Terrebonne, T-E-R-R-E-B-O-N-N-E. And uh, you'll learn all about Gun Buddies, about God's Plaid, Twin Beeman, uh, and join the uh, join the Terry Squad. He's got some hilarious commentary and a great sense of humor. And uh, one of the best things about the internet still rolling around is the ability to get some laughs in. And it is definitely therapy. Guys, thank you for joining me on the Warrior Monk Podcast. I appreciate you. Check us out in the near future for more episodes coming up. And as always, let's continue to grow through balance. This is Lance signing out.